Welcome to Life Skills 101, Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North offers live online classes, clubs, ebooks, and more. From special needs to parent classes, True North builds a community through digital format in an age of loneliness and desolation. Our host, Lisa Nearing, is a homeschooler with five kids who was homeschooled with her husband, Dr. David Nearing, for 27 years. They are committed to equipping fellow homeschoolers and Christians with the tools they need to navigate a complex world in need of a savior. Now, without further ado, Lisa Neering. Hey, everybody. This is Lisa Neering from True North Homeschool Academy, and I'm here once again for another show of Life Skills 101. And today I'm joined by my son, Ethan Neering, and we're going to talk about adventuring. Um, Those of you who take classes at True North know that Ethan teaches Latin 1, as well as several of the clubs, Battles That Change History, Medieval Weaponry, and other really fun clubs that the kids love. And so we're going to talk about adventuring. Before we get started, let's just talk about what adventuring is. Um, So Ethan, I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for joining me today. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Let's talk about what adventuring is for a minute. So it's really just an educational adventure. So we're going to talk about a couple different ways that you can adventure. Some are more costly than others, but Ethan, when we started talking about this, one of the first things you came up with was books. Yep. It's the old, you can go anywhere with a book. Just reading a, a basic fantasy story still gives you life experience of what the author has gone through, what the author believes. And with a good author like Tolkien, you go where the characters do um, and you get an idea of where the author has gone, what inspired them to write that. I'm just going to use Tolkien because I like Tolkien a lot. It's um, he, he wrote multiple languages so that you have these rich cultures that come through because language is thought. So he essentially designed the thought patterns of all these different elves and these men that don't exist. So we're yeah. able to experience that through Lord of the Rings. That's why we love it so much. Right. Uh, we get their innermost thoughts and feelings of, of the author, like C.S. Lewis. You really get what he thinks and feels in all of his books. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell You Have Faces is a great example of that. Of Books are just a great teaching tool. And it's sometimes it can be escapism, but a good escapism takes you out of reality so that when you come back into reality, you're better equipped to deal with it. Right. Exactly. So books are the first, most simple, probably, way that we all adventure, even with our kids at home, even our preschoolers, as we're reading them a good preschool book, right? The other thing I like about books, especially younger books, is it's a great way to introduce artwork to your kids without yeah. having to have access to a museum or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, even when I was really young, mom, you remember this, we had our library up and the first thing I did once we reorganized it to be more accessible um, as I went, I grabbed a chair and I grabbed all the night books off the top. I was slipping through, and that's part of the reason why I have like every different type of nightly equipment memorized. Because as a little kid, as like five, I was going through <laughs> the Usborne books and the Smithsonian books to look at how the knights dressed, how their codes of honor worked. I think honestly, my obsession with knights from a young age has really defined who I am because yeah. I read books. Um, I knew a lot of history because I looked at the pictures and it was born. That's how it, our stars looking at the pictures because they're so cool because of the artwork. Right, right. I remember even when I was like three, we had arch books in our home. And I still remember some of the artwork from the arch books um, and those Bible stories from, from, it was before I could read, seeing those visual pictures. So don't overlook the, um, the powerful impact that pictures can have on your kids and the artwork that yeah. you bring in through books. 
That's a great way to adventure. Right off the bat, we're big bibliophiles in our home. We love yeah. books. <laughs> I, I remember when we were really little, I think Rachel, my oldest sister, was 18. It made me about four because Hannah was a toddler. So the point is, when we were all kids and the oldest ones of us were teenagers, dad reading Narnia to us. Mm. Um, and then The Hobbit. Mm. Laura Ingalls Wilder, especially, you read those to us, mom. And the pictures really, really captured the story and made it easier for us little ones yeah I remember reading the long winter when um it was a really cold winter here in South Dakota we live about an hour from Desmet and we had to stop reading it because we were all like this is too cold it's too close to home we can't handle it we'll read it in the summer <laughs> yeah yeah it's just too much okay so the best first way to introduce adventuring to your kids is through books and that is a life skill that can last you your entire life through one we highly recommend um it never gets old if you need good book lists get on the true north homeschool try facebook page and ask away because we're all bibliophiles over there what's another well, good way oh, well i'm just sorry a little point on that is again like my obsession with knights has really defined me i'm doing a men's group now teaching young guys about chivalry through right. role-playing but it's role-playing based off tolkien right. it's it's the reading entailed the values to me, which makes me want to adventure even further. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Other ways to adventure. Um, get outdoors. Get outdoors. Don't give your child a smartphone. Tell them to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, seriously, I remember um, it was right when the second, the first generation of the Nintendo DS came out. And I asked mom, like, hey, if there's any way I could pay for it, can I, can I buy it? I was like, six at the time. Mom's like, no. I'm like, please, I'll pay for it. It can't cost that much, but no, because mom and dad wanted me to focus on going outside, playing with sticks, chasing the dog, playing with the cats, walking around our acreage. It's, I mean, not everyone has acreages. Those are valuable commodities at this point, but it's like, if you have a backyard, go have your kids build a fort. Yeah. Use cardboard if you need to, and then, and then throw it away. Yeah. Just go outside, take them to the local wilderness area, the local park. Make field trips of that. Um, and I'm like, oh man, seriously, the, the the wilderness areas and our the ridge. We live in the valleys. So we got these ridge and river valleys and these swamp areas around us. It was so cool. When mom said we could actually go hang out with, like, walk around because my brother had always walked around them um, on his own. We had these radio sets before cell phones, so we were always walking around. He was always walking around, just exploring that. And finally, mom said he had to take me one day. That was so freaking awesome. And like, I, I can't tell you, there's so many like stories my brother and I told of, we had sticks to play, act as our guns or swords, and we had a wide valley to act as our battlegrounds and mission objectives and stuff like that. Um, I can't tell you how many times the barn was a site of a battlefield or a choke point because of this narrow hallway, so we had to hold off the bad guys. We went, we went outside. It's, yeah. And we just walked around and... and Going to, like I said, the wilderness areas, those are always super cool because my brother and I would always kind of look for like the places that a great fort would be built. Well, like we're pretending again, pretending about battlefields, like, okay, if we if we were in command of soldiers and we sat on this hill, we could target that place and that place and that place. Uh, again, go outside. So it sounds like a lot of outside play was in some ways fueled by the books that you've been reading. Yes, exactly. Star, uh, we played Star Wars and fantasy. <laughs> I love outside. it. Yeah, Outside. Yeah. 
and now they're, they're actually doctors are prescribing green therapy, which means just go outside. It's particularly really helpful for kids who have ADD because Mm -hmm. green is calming and outside just really helps gut health and all the things that you need for really healthy human beings. But um, we live in the far North. So when we first moved here, you were only three and you would just say, don't send me out to the big refrigerator. And then about it was winter, it was winter. It was was cold. You were little. And when the wind blows here, it's crazy. But about six, you were just like, yeah. When you hit six, you were like, outside is my place to be. (laughs) Where do you get away from school? Yeah. (laughs) You've never really looked back. <laughs> we played Age of Empires. Like the only video game we had is Age of Empires, and that was only on the weekends. And I wasn't any good at it, so it's like the only way to escape school was to, that mom would let me get away with is can I go outside for a little bit? <laughs> I remember for a few years I would be like, everybody go run around the house three times. Yep. Don't come back in until you run around the house three times. That those are the mornings we would spend all morning memorizing history facts and stuff like that. Yeah. And so by the end of it, Derek's doing three sixties in his chair. Kendra's crumping. Anna and I are bouncing up and down. Simone's like, go outside. Go outside, run around, come back. Okay, so books, outside adventure, and the last big way to adventure is travel, of course, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was little, I didn't, I used to hear everyone going on vacation. So, and we didn't when I was really little. And I used to think that we never traveled. Looking back, like, we've traveled a lot. Yeah, we've like, traveled all over. Yeah, we've, I've, I've been all over the United States and I don't know, I've been, overseas i'm only 21 but it's like we've been to yosemite uh no wait, sorry i sorry i did that when i was visiting some friends um I've, I've been to yosemite um as a family we went to yellowstone mm-hmm. uh, we've been to south carolina numerous times mm-hmm. I, we've been to texas new mexico, new mexico. Yeah. that's where i was born i don't really remember that but vaguely very different temperature than south dakota yeah <laughs> <laughs> where else have we been I mean, we visited Ohio because that's where all the family is. We visited Indiana because that's where some of the family is. Missouri. We've uh, been all over the Virginia. states, really. Yeah, yeah, all over, crisscrossed. And then for like the Christians United for Israel group that I'm part of, that's mm-hmm. given me a lot of opportunity to travel. So I went to D.C. for free because of the stuff I do for them. I've been to me, to um, Dallas and San Antonio for free. Oh, and then also during the Bible Bee, when we did the Bible Bee in 2018, yeah, we were able to visit the Alamo. Yeah, that was fun. You want you want to go adventure and hear great deeds and mighty tales? Go to the Alamo. Yeah, it's not this white suppressionist silliness you hear about. It was Mexicans and Texans and Native Americans fighting Santa Ana for freedom together. You want to hear about unity and heroism, like a legend that deserves to be a legend? Go to the Alamo. <laughs> yeah, and a great movie is the one with Dennis Quaid about the Alamo. Yes. Really That's fun movie. Awesome movie. Captures it how multi-ethnic yeah. the last stand really was. And it also captures, I love how they really do capture heroism. The character who plays Davy Crockett, he tells of a really tragic episode that happened during war and how he just felt such remorse over some of the actions that they've done. So it really puts battle and warfare into perspective. It's not this glorified battle for battle's sake. It's people die. Um, anyway, that's a, that's a great movie, but it was so awesome to go to the Alamo and see the place where people had fought for a country and get out of the oppression of a dictator, mm. out from under the oppression True of a dictator. Freedom. Like it's a lot of times they'll gloss over, even the historians trying to be like objective, they will gloss over sometimes or sleep under the rug. 
the Alamo, granted, I have some limited experience with it, but the Alamo really isn't like that. It is a legend that deserves to be held yeah. up there because it really was a heroic last stand of normal, everyday people fighting for freedom. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Travel. Go see the sites. You want to know the truth about George Washington? Go to Mount Vernon. Go to Mount Mount Vernon. One of the things I loved about Mount Vernon was standing in the foyer of the house going, Mm -hmm. George Washington stood in this foyer. The greats of that world stood in this foyer where we're standing. It was really touching. I, I love Mount Vernon because it just gave you such a sense of George Washington as a visionary, he really set the tone for America and made us the world's breadbasket because of decisions he made way back then. Um, yeah, but- vision, he's, he has his vision for America painted on his walls. Yeah. Like that was the intent. He, he for, So he could look at it and say, that's what I want America to be. Yeah. And that he, the, the people he invited were, think it was a think tank house. Right, right. It was an inn. <laughs> it, was a, it was a for free inn, free room and board inn. That- right five-star hotel before the white house that was George, that was mount vernon such an amazing place to see and after the white house yeah and, and very fast to monticello mount vernon's a very it's a beautiful home but it shows the differences in character between george washington and jefferson george washington died with debt with enough wealth to pay off the debt and and his house was grand but humble jefferson honestly might be diagnosed with adhd if you live now but he's he, he was always adding he was never content with the design he always had a, the latest neoclassical architecture and so he died he didn't own anything um and, and just going to different homes shows the the proud humility of washington compared to the grandiose energy of jefferson oh that's it i i really i found a lot of information is gathered by visiting homes my old yes. kentucky home we saw the hermitage which is andy jackson's house my old Kentucky home, Mount Vernon and Monticello within a period of like two and a half years. And it was so fascinating to compare and contrast those, yes. those four residences and just how people lived. You could just tell so much about the world at that point from the house, right? Yes. So fascinating. And then comparing, contrast that to Laura Ingalls Wilder's homestead and just met South mm-hmm. Dakota. <laughs> yep. We've been there a very, lot. Too. Very different. Very, very different. We love historical sites. Um, so one of the places that you went that is probably the most historical um, place that you've ever been was this last summer. You actually had the opportunity to go to Israel yep, and see some That's ancient that. sites. Yeah, we weren't able to see Masada because we just didn't have the time, which is very disappointing. And we might have seen it in the distance, but I've, I've looked over Jericho. I've been to the Temple Mount. I've been in both disputed sites for the Garden Tomb. The sepulchre and the just the garden tomb, and I'm sorry if there's anyone who believes that the sepulchre is the the site. I personally don't believe that. Just if it was, it has been defiled by centuries of church politics. Uh, <laughs> but you walk into the garden tomb, and it's you feel something there. Mm. This is going to sound really corny, but it was like I've experienced the presence of God when I walked into that site. It was as if I, I, it was. A similar presence. I don't know if it was God Himself, but it was a good guy greeting me in the in that, and it was like the power of God in a way I've never experienced before. I've always experienced the 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 fire and the glory and the not like falling over fainting in the aisles, not like that, but just like during prayer time. But this time I experienced a a warm, like all that power compressed, Mm. and very warm, like 
a warrior without his armor on. Mm. And it was like God walking up, give me a hug and hand you a cup of coffee. Wow. And, and, and I was thinking about after, I think it might have been on the plane even, or once I landed, just thinking like, that's ground zero for that. Yeah. That's what God wants with everyone. Yeah. And whether that's the sepulcher or the tomb, the garden tomb, that's ground zero for what God wants. Mm. So of course you'd feel God there. Of course you would. Yeah. Do you feel like that trip changed you? Yes. Not in a flash of thunder. I mean, you always hear like, like when you ran in Jerusalem, you immediately feel the holiness and the, the power that pervades the land. I'm like, well, I know what parts you go to. You also feel the tense civil war of two different people groups that <laughs> are related. You go back far enough, but can't stand each other. You feel the tense and anxiety there, but it also did have that holy feel. Yeah. I mean, it depends on how you view the end times, but either way, Jerusalem will be where Christ reigns. You read that in Zechariah. Right. Like, Jerusalem's not done with. It, it, you still have that this is a sanctified area. Yeah. You, you feel that walking Jerusalem. This is going to sound really weird. Everyone I've said this to gives me a double take. Once you've been there, you understand. Jerusalem is the most peaceful city. Mm. You have moms walking their toddlers at midnight in the strollers. Yes, there's security everywhere. Of course there is. But it's also just this. The inhabitants talk about this. Of like For a huge city, it is very safe. Mm. Because you walk in the streets. Right. And, and maybe because they have identified the fact that they have enemies, right? Yeah. I mean, it's they have a common enemy. Um, I mean, on that issue, we can get into the politics of that. But even like. There's Arab Palestinians there that they are proud Israeli patriots. Yeah. So it's just, it's about, there's this, a love for the country from the circumstances. It's a very political conversation we slipped into, but that's okay. Um, but it's just, you just feel the, especially when you visit some of the holy sites, you feel like God's here. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not dramatic or anything. It's, it's, it's a given. Yeah. I mean, it's not on your knees weeping before the lord and speaking in tongues it's not like that it's just like and it's not like you feel immediately it's osmosis yeah what is your biggest takeaway from that big adventure that you had this last summer how did that how did that inform and change you going forward when i really think about it to remember i mean here, here's a little personal thing i think and everyone from what i know struggles with this it's trying to remember god actually likes you mm. i think we all struggle with that like when we actually admit it mm-hmm. unless we're a narcissist and think we're perfect and well completely lovable but if we're honest with ourselves we're, we're not yeah so trying to remember the unconditional love of god when i really think about it of um in the garden tomb of that spirit thing not sure if it's god or an angel i think it was god but it just welcome i love you and and just knowing god god is the kind of god who can welcome you into his garden and hand you a cup of coffee yeah that's really personal that's like a god who knows us by name (laughs) yeah he he actually loves us he's disappointed we're at odds with him but like 
I mean, we're not, humans are, but we're not because of what went down there. Yeah. Like Christ, the death slayer. Yeah. Again, that, 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 that ties into what my experience of traveling and my reading and my adventures with my brother in the backyard of Christ, the death slayer. <laughs> I love it. That it, we're all on a grand adventure as, as we are alive. It's a grand adventure, right? So the reading, going outside, traveling, it's always to experience and know Christ the Death Slayer. That's, that's a great, great ending. <laughs> Go on an adventure with your kids and show them how to have one because um, this world is full of, full of dragons and it's full of things that are worthless. And giving your kids adventure gives them something to hang on to that is of real value. There's two things I want to I want to give a quick little little tangent on um Sea of Galilee. That's where we the first place we stopped was a famous hotel in Afghanistan. Um on a commune. Um it's by this, on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, literally the walk, like five minutes from the Sea of Galilee. Um my second day, it's like three I I was awake wired from like jet lag. It's like one AM Israeli time. I call mom. Um, it's only like six here at that point. And I just dumped on her all this emotional turmoil I've been dealing with. Um, and I talked to dad, did the same thing, but it's like, so we did that for like three hours. So um, my roommate and I, from the group I was with, we agreed we're going to get up and go watch the sunrise on the Sea of Galilee. Um, so I, um, as emotional turmoil, mom and dad call me down. I go to bed. I just lay there for 20 minutes, and then my roommate's alarm goes off. Um, so of I didn't, I literally <laughs> did not sleep at all that night. Uh, I might have gotten like five minutes of rest. Oh, that sucked. But like, we get up. I get, we go out there. We grab coffee. We go out there, and we bump into some other some other of our group. Um, and we we all got our Bibles. We all split off. And we, we all with an eyesight of each other, but we're all on the shores, and just the, the stillness. And the, the sunrise, I live in South Dakota. Best sunrises there is, except in Galilee. I'm mean, just the, the calm and then thinking about, like, I kind of told God everything I was dealing with and just looking at the stillness and hearing the birds and the slight breeze. And it's it's only like five, but it's still already like 80 degrees out. It's so hot in Israel. Um, <laughs> But um, just the the gentle heat and and the breeze coming off the the eastern slopes of the lake, like two miles away from where I am on the western, like I'm on the western bank, and the breeze coming off the eastern. And I was saying, like, oh my goodness, this is where the apostles fished. Wow. Like Peter had his boat bobbing where I'm sitting. I was on a pier, kind of away from the shore, but just. This is where Jesus said silence to the elements. And if you have the opportunity to go to Israel, go! I don't care what your doctrine is. Go! (laughs) Just go. It sounds like it was a really powerful trip. It was. And not like flashes of lightning, just in like gentle ways. God can be. God can be meek. 
Meekness is power under control. People forget it's either Jesus is shown as this little emasculate pansy or this really angry guy. But it's like, no, he was a jacked carpenter who was really sweet with little kids. And they're hurting. And he knows all of us by name. <laughs> and he knows all of us by name. I mean, he loved the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And I asked the guy who's lying about him to get him killed for his own personal gain. Jesus loves him. It's easy to forget. God can be gentle. Yeah. So really, adventure is really, as a homeschool mom, as a Christian homeschool mom, my greatest hope is that all the adventures we introduce our kids to take them to the path of the garden, take them on the path to the Sea of Galilee, either figuratively or literally, because we want our kids more than anything to know Christ. And and here's the thing, it's adventures always nasty, inconvenient things always make you late for dinner. <laughs> to quote the Hobbit Bilbo Baggins. It's adventures aren't always fun. Right. Israel was fun, but I mean driving into Bethlehem and then seeing the signs of Israelis do not enter. It is against Israeli law and a danger to your lives. Mm. It's like, um, we are American Christians on a bus a pro-Israel organization, like they're saying, don't mention Israel when you're on the streets. Wow. And like, okay, I'm going full watchdog modes and like bring up the rear from the bus and like yeah. we walk into a, a Baptist church. It's the only Baptist church in Israel in Palestine, I think in Israel, of um Stephen Curry. Um and we walk in there and the the, the deacons are standing guard. That wasn't fun. That was that was very tense. Yeah. Also, just adventures. Adventures. Some of the adventures we've been on have been um, emotional ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the last few years have been really hard in some ways. Mm-hmm. You go on an adventure, you're risking a lot. You're risking, yeah. And once you accept Christ, you are on an adventure now. Yeah. You're on the path of sanctification. You you um you're gonna face dragons and they will burn you. Yeah. Well, that's that's a good that's a good like warning label. Like go on adventure, teach your kids about adventure, take your kids on on the paths of adventure, but know that it's not safe. No. And homeschool moms, you can't save your kids. Yeah. The pet peeve of the entire nearing family, especially myself, like you can equip, you can mentor your young squires and squiresses to train with the sword. But once they get their spurs, even before they get their spurs, your kids are going to have to decide to use them. Yeah. Well, you only get to take yourself to heaven. Um, Not even you. It's just you cling desperately to Jesus as he carries you. <laughs> okay, right, right. Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. We're going on an adventure, guys. <laughs> So before, what nothing? <laughs> yeah. So even though th- we have this big disclaimer and warning label, still go on adventures. Like you know, because <laughs> it's worth it. It's so worth it. And if you don't embrace the grand adventure, you're safe. But have you really? Have you fully embraced your life? 
And that's a good question to ask. Are you on a grand adventure? Are you are you shining the light of, of Christ's adventure to the people around you? Are you playing it safe? And um, and that's not really that safe either, <laughs> right? I mean, here's here's one little thing. I'm going to tell two stories of pop culture, pop culture stories of, to capture that. It's um, Bilbo could have decided to reject Gandalf entirely. Once they left, he could, and Gandalf came back in the next morning. He could have said, get out of my house. Go. I don't want your adventure. But then the ring would never have been found. Bilbo would never have matured as a person, which means he never would have been able to go to Undying Lands. But um, he'd never have found the ring, never matured as a person. He never would have inspired Frodo to do anything because he would have just been a normal hobbit esquire. The dwarves have never retaken the mountain and the, the therefore the Dwarven line, the line of Dwarven would never have been able to rejuvenate itself. They probably would have died out faster. Um, Smaug would never have been slain. Dale would never have been rebuilt. And because the ring would never have been found, it eventually would have been found by one of the servants of Sauron. Need I say more? No. I'm, yeah, our adventure affects so much more. And even though Tolkien's adventure is all fantasy, it's such a great analogy for our own lives. If we don't embrace the adventure in front of us, all the ripples of the adventuring that we do don't don't happen. So, and Tolkien knew adventures. He um, both he and Lewis Lewis were actually wounded in the trenches of World War One on the same battlefield. Actually, they never met on the battlefield, but they were both wounded in the same trenches. Wow, they knew adventure. Yeah, um, Doug Gresham recounts of how C.S. Lewis even into his sixties would wake up from the nightmares. Yeah. A little PTSD from the trenches of world yeah. wars. Just a little. And, and then can I tell one more story? Yeah. Um, Star Wars. I'm going to get it really nerdy on you guys. I mean, I already have. But in the shows, the cartoon shows, they, they give Anakin an apprentice, Ahsoka Tano. She's, she's an alien, but she's, they, they bond really well. And it shows um, Anakin starts that show as kind of the, the edgy, reckless self he is in the Attack of Clones episode 2. The Clone Wars, the ones I'm talking about, is between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So the show starts with Anakin being reckless and edgy, but then Snips, that's his nickname for her, balances him out. Um, she, she, she's kind of like her little, his little sister. She draws out the best in him. Um, and actually makes him like a better soldier, general, general inspiring leader. Um, but then through a bunch of like misadventures um she gets falsely accused of betraying the republic she gets um put on trial the council jedi council doesn't have her back um and so she comes disillusioned with the jedi order and she abandons the jedi abandons her master anakin and one of the episodes that was never aired is anakin wrestling with his disappointment in her of that she left him hanging mm. um they, they never showed that episode Oh, just Anakin's really torn up about how sad he is that Ahsoka's gone, of how she abandoned him. Um, so the woman's trying to console him. And finally, Anakin, as we know, becomes Darth Vader, spins around on him and says, how would you feel if I left the Order? And everyone's like, it's not the same. And Anakin's like, it is, and you know it. Hmm. She abandoned us. And the implication being that without Ahsoka's stability that she provides she eventually is like her codename as a theme is fulcrum as in she's the fulcrum for anakin that draws out his, his disappointment and anger and sadness draws out the dark side of him as eventually what 
sets him back on that path to becoming Darth Vader. Mm. Because she left him hanging. Wow. So that's a great illustration of how when we don't embrace the adventure in front of us, we leave other people behind. And it mm. makes it more difficult for them to really fulfill their calling, mission, and adventure. Mm-hmm. But the story's not over. She eventually becomes critical of the founding of the rebellion, which draws Luke in. Yeah. Luke is able to convert his father at the last minute. Yeah. And everyone gets their redemption. Awesome. Unless you qualify the stupid Disney movies that ruin the entire franchise. But we're not <laughs> going to get into that. Yeah, yeah. Let's not do too much more political commentary here. <laughs> So the main point is go on some adventures and teach your kids how to adventure. Um, read, go outside, travel, and um, they're all so intertwined. They're all life skills. Um, if you need some suggestions about great books to read, what to do outdoors, or where to go, we'd love to hear from you. Head on over to the True North Home School Tribe or leave us a private message. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks for joining me, Ethan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Mom. It's always a pleasure. Okay, guys, we'll talk to you next week. Adios. Bye. We're so honored that you're listening and that you share this podcast, Life Skills 101, with your friends and family. Every time you share the show and post about it, it really makes our day. Make sure you subscribe and download this podcast so that you never miss an episode. You can subscribe so that you get alerted to each and every show. Leave a review for this podcast, Life Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. We're so honored that you're listening. Until next time, this is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. We'll talk to you soon.